and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io I have John Ford here with me today. The Level Up Engineering Podcast comes to you bi-weekly and we always talk with accomplished tech leaders. If you follow us, you have heard John speak about turning around underachieving teams before. He is the Hungarian country leader of LogMeIn and he's also the VP of engineering there. And he has an impressive track record, which I'm not going to go into any further. You can uh, listen to our previous conversation and um, get a lot of tips about um, coming into a team and turning it around. Today, I have John here to talk about the State of Software Development 2021 report, which I have here with me um, and you also have. And our listeners can download it from the show description. So if you have not seen the report, um, you should feel free to click on the link below and download it. But um, our conversation should be followable, even if you don't have the report in front of me. And please, if you're driving, do not look at your screen. Uh, With that said, welcome, John. Please tell us a bit about yourself and also what your passions are. Hi. So firstly, thanks very much for having me back. Uh, It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, so like you said, I'm VP of Engineering for the remote support group of our products at LogMeIn. So it's a global team uh, across several countries. And I'm also the country lead for LogMeIn in Hungary. And now we're spread all over the country. So, you know, we're not just in Budapest. We're in multiple, multiple locations. People have taken the opportunity to kind of move into a bigger house and, you make the most of the situation that the pandemic has presented to us. And yeah, so I've been working in software for over 25 years now, um, various different companies. And it was very interesting, the report that came out that you put together. I think generally it resonated pretty closely with what we've been finding over the last year at LogMeIn. And we can talk about more details, obviously, during this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So with that said, this report has five parts in it. We cover a lot of things and uh, let me just uh, kind of go through the nitty gritty. We have management related trends and challenges and we have technology and tool focus, um, which we are probably not going to talk about all that much. We also have hiring and we have outsourcing. And finally, we talk a lot about performance management in the report. So if you haven't seen it, dearest listeners or watchers, you should download it. It's free. And with that said, what was your most interesting finding of the report? What did you what did you find? Yeah, awesome? so the things I found quite interesting and I guess it's because I'm in senior management now, were where there were major differences between the developers' perceptions and the managers' perceptions. So to give you an idea, and just to show that I read the whole report, on page 43, (laughs) 
we had um, quite a large difference on the perceived number one cause of delivery problems as being estimation. And uh, developers, 18% of developers thought this and only 9% of managers. And I was quite surprised because I would have expected it to be the other way around. I would have expected managers to think that the developers were either underestimating or over overestimating. So either like sandbagging or um, unaware of potentially the complexity of the work involved. So that was quite a big one. And then on a similar note, there was also a kind of 2x difference on uh, page nine. So the biggest challenge was stated as sharing knowledge by twice as many developers, 27%, as managers, 12%. And again, I would have expected it to be the other way around because as managers, we're always trying to like share the knowledge in the team, cross-pollinate good practice, and I just assume that devs know where to go. You know, they have their common Jira instance and they're working off the same backlog. But it would appear from the feedback in the report that that's not necessarily the case. Right, right. And that can be applied to not just, I think, not just project related things, but also in general, keeping up with the trends and making sure that perhaps new kind of company resources are communicated and people can really be up to date in their lives as developers or yeah and there's a challenge there with everyone working remotely so you know it's a bit harder to get around people you can't just swing by someone's desk and have a kind of open office conversation that other people can chime in if they you know if they're interested so yeah. um, how did you how did you get around that? We've been in pandemic mode for over a year now, and I've been talking to leaders on the show and just in my life in general. And um, and a lot of people have mentioned that it's been a challenge to them to kind of keep the, the company spirits up and and make sure that information is spread properly across the board. We also have some statistics about that in the report, but um, I'm interested in your kind of practices. Yeah, so maybe uh, just you mentioned the report and I thought there were some quite interesting statistics there. So for example, something that really struck me was more than three quarters of respondents said that they had implemented remote work because of COVID. So since COVID, whereas right. In my 25 years, I've always worked at least partly remotely. And, you know, this was even in the time of like a 128 KPS dial-up modem, you know, in 25 years ago. So now I think I just assumed that software engineers always worked at least a day or two a week remotely. But it seems from the report, I mean, 76% said that they'd implemented it because after the pandemic hit. So... That was a surprise. And I think um, for engineers, it's not necessarily a bad thing that they can sit and concentrate on their own without being interrupted. They can get into the zone. They can concentrate. They need to really focus on, uh, on some of the uh, problems that need to be either fixed or you know some of the code that needs to be created. So I can see that for a, a lot of people, I mean, engineers are often relatively introverted <laughs> so 
being able to focus without your team leader or your manager coming by and asking, hey, how are you, which could be very distracting, then, you know, I think that's probably a good thing. And I noticed that about 25% of people said that it, the pandemic did have a positive effect working remotely. But then, of course, we're all different. We're all engineers. We all are sociable beings. We like, you know, having coffees and lunches. We don't like being disturbed from our work. But, you know, when we have a break, we, do, we don't necessarily want to have a break on our own. You know, and that's kind of what I've been missing. And I think quite a few people log me in as well, to be honest. And, you know, that was backed up by the report as well, sort of 25% again, roughly. So what we've tried to do is kind of recreate some of those moments. So we've tried to, you know, have regular touch bases, obviously all over GoToMeeting and using our own remote tools that we create. We've also tried to create some kind of light-hearted moments because we found that in general people have too many meetings and the meetings are kind of very serious. They're all work-related, you know. So we've in, we've had uh, we've run a couple of quiz nights. We've kept kind of breakout team sizes to about 10, 12 people so that everyone can contribute. We recently for one team ordered salad boxes with dips and got them sent to people's homes so that we had a team meeting and everyone could like share their salad together. We've had a few kind of light-hearted things. And then what I've also tried to do is be cognizant of people's time. So instead of fixing up multiple, multiple Outlook calendar invites to yet another video conference, I've tried to kind of maybe group a few people together, reach out to new joiners, for example. We've grown quite a lot during COVID times, so we've had quite a few people join who have never met their colleagues. So try and reach out to them. And then I guess the other thing we did was just kind of have a two or three times a week, have a sort of open hour, uh, like a coffee time at the beginning of the day, where people, everyone was invited, completely optional. People could just drop in. And I guess the only condition was that you don't talk about work. You know, you can talk <laughs> about what you did at the weekend, what music you're listening to, what your children are up to these days. And it was just a kind of 15, 20 minute chat. And what I found was, you know, you invite 500 people and it's probably more or less the same 10 or 20 that turn up nice regularly. One. So the people who really needed that kind of social interaction had the channel to join and chat if they wanted. Right, right. And I'm sure a lot of people who live with their families or, or live with maybe even housemates or, or anything of the sort, they were happy when they could get some alone time so they wouldn't join the company chat. But it's, it's good that some people had that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, And actually, Carolina, just on that point, if anyone gets interrupted by their children, uh, one thing I always do is encourage them to sit their child on their lap and we have a little chat and we say, hello, what's your name? And, you know, so if it's like a seven-year-old girl in the Midwest of America, I was saying, you know, I'm talking to you from Hungary. Do you know where that is? So just try and engage a little bit so that they don't feel that they're dad is being taken away from them by constantly talking on the screen. So just 
kind of recognizing the human situation that people are in. You know? That's really sweet. And yeah, and <laughs> teaching children that it's okay to just be. That's really awesome. So we touched on some of these stats and you mentioned remote work being implemented because of COVID, which was a, an interesting statistic that you found. And um, my immediate thought was that perhaps remote work was allowed before, but since it wasn't encouraged as much, well, it, there is nothing better of an encouragement than a global pandemic. But since it wasn't, you know, like mandatory for everyone all the time, maybe the tools weren't thought out quite as well and things weren't made as comfortable to do from home. So, for example, you know, uh, when you had to hold a workshop, you could always all just go into the office and make sure that everybody is there in person. And now everybody having to stay at home, all these challenges were, all these challenges had to be concurred. Yeah, I, I think the impact really, the long lasting impact is it has accelerated the digital transformation. So COVID has acted as a catalyst. It's really accelerated the move to being able to work from anywhere, basically, which was already there, but people maybe didn't realize it. Some of the fine tuning hadn't happened because we are very dependent on, you know, having a stable network connection and the right tools in place, etc. But to give you an example, uh, yesterday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a doctor and he is basically a counselor for cognitively impaired people um, in Greater London. So many of his patients are older, you know, maybe slightly senile. And um, he realized that instead of traveling into, the, into London every day, obviously because of COVID, he was having to do any, all his counseling sessions online. And um, over the last year, he's realized that actually it's perfectly possible. He can do that. His patients, most of them already know him, so they open up, uh, they can express each other. And he's, he's just saving time every day from morning commute, the, the daily commute there and back. So I think the long-term impact for even that's a kind of people-focused profession, but even for something like, you know, medical counseling, you can do it online. We have the tools, we have the capability, and COVID has just accelerated that recognition and that transition to having the choice of working remotely. Right, right. Um, it, to, even to me, it kind of seems like how amazing it was for me to to commute about almost two hours every day and go into an office when I can do most of the things I do from the comfort of my home. Um, yeah. And I'm interested in your opinion. You mentioned that you at least partially always worked um, remotely. Um, how how did your your life change and your positions um, responsibilities kind of form throughout the pandemic? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I had only joined the company about a month before. In fact, COVID was in its early days uh, as I joined, uh, begin in Q1 last year, 2020. 
So in terms of getting to know colleagues, meeting them, I kind of missed out on that, which going back to the example of my doctor friend, he already knew most of his patients, so they could trust him, etc. So um, I think some of the communication needs to be quite clear. The expectations you're setting, uh, we've moved deliberately towards a kind of writing culture where we're documenting stuff and sharing the documents so that people can add to them asynchronously, comment on them, so that it's kind of clear, so that we can collaborate in a clear way. And we've made a conscious decision to implement this culture at LogMeIn, just so that uh, you're not misunderstanding each other. You know, because most people, I think most people act out of good intentions, but a lot of our body language, a lot of the tone of voice, you can't necessarily tell if you're remote. So I mentioned how for software engineering, it's good to be able to focus, get in the zone, etc. However, there are certain things which really are easier to do in person. So um, we're, we're bringing out some pretty innovative new products in LogMeIn and kind of brainstorming what the functionality should be, how we create them, what the architecture should be. That kind of close collaboration between product management, user experience, software engineering, sometimes sales and marketing, you know, having a, an in-person workshop would be a lot easier that way. However, even after COVID, we're still going to work in this remote-centric way. So we're going to manage the amount of uh, in-person time that we have. And it was quite interesting looking through the report on some of the tools that uh, you know other software development teams are using. And in general, you know we're using Bitbucket, Jira. Um, for these kind of product um, ideation and then management requirements, we're also using things like Miro boards where you can drag and drop. It's very visual. But yeah, on the whole, the tools are there. So we're still learning. We're continuously going to be learning how to be most effective in this way. We're working across time zones. I'm working with teams, obviously, in America, Canada, India, as well as Europe. So, yeah, I think we're all learning, but, right. but it's possible. And, you know, needless to say, we've driven out productivity. So we've tried to encourage people to manage their work-life balance. But the fact is, you know, you have several hours more in the day. And, you know, we've seen productivity increase. Uh, as leaders and managers, we've had to sometimes push quite hard for people to not overdo it. So make sure that you take time off, you take your holidays. We've instituted uh, once a month a self-care day for the whole company globally so that nobody works on the first Friday of the month. No Slack, no email, no meetings, nothing. Just take a day off and you won't have anything to catch up on when you come back. So... How this awesome. Is a, yeah, this is to make sure that people are looking after their mental health. Thank you for sharing that. Maybe some listeners can be inspired by that self-care day. Um, lots of uh, interesting things you mentioned. I want to kind of touch on the fact that you mentioned that you grew in the pandemic, which is which is pretty great. And you also mentioned that you're working on some, some new things within the company. 
in the report, 22% uh, of our respondents um, said that the pandemic impacted their company more positively than negatively. If you could elaborate a little bit uh, on, the, if you can, on the, the new things that you're working on and, and how or which parts of the company grew in your case? Yeah. So, I mean, LogMeIn makes uh, tools to empower the remote workforce. So basically for connecting securely and supporting remote workers. So the pandemic has led to, you know, record results in terms of, uh, in commercial terms for the company. And so there's a kind of bittersweet thing. Obviously, it's been a global tragedy, but for operators who are specifically creating the software or the tools in that space, obviously, we've done very well. We are constantly evolving as a company. And uh, one thing we are doing is uh, looking to standardize and consolidate our portfolio. So we have a lot of different brands, many, many different brands, and uh, lots of different tech stacks. We've grown not only organically, but we've also grown through mergers and acquisitions. So there's a lot of background work that needs to be done, usually technical work by the engineering teams to get these various solutions to work together. So um, to link up identity systems, to ensure that entitlement and authorizations are, the process flow is smooth, link these to e-commerce systems so that our customers can buy and commission online and uh, have the right authorizations to use the tools that they bought. Uh, it's obvious, but you know there's a lot of back-end back plumbing required. But also our key differentiator in the market for LogMeIn is exactly the fact that we're offering a portfolio of products. So although we make GoToMeeting, we aren't just a competitor of Zoom because we also have GoTo as essentially a replacement for your mobile app and your PBX switches. And we can lay LastPass on top of that, which enables secure password management and secure access and identity management uh, using MFA. We can offer that for enterprises, channel partners. And on top of that, we can offer the remote support tools like Rescue, GoToAssist, so that if there's any issues um, with your remote workforce, then someone can support them remotely. So putting all these options together makes us kind of, uh, gives us a much broader portfolio of remote working solutions than what Zoom can offer, for example. However, you know, there's a lot of work ongoing to kind of get everything to work seamlessly in the background so that our customers can take advantage of commissioning new areas of the portfolio, adding stuff. Technology is changing as well. So, you know, we need to make sure we, we stay at the cutting edge of uh, media server design, for example, to make sure there's no lag when we're supporting a client. And when you're sharing screens or co-browsing together, you know, that's a lot of packets of data being shared backwards and forwards at the same time. So we need to make sure that we're right on the, the edge there. So there's there's a lot going on, definitely, a lot. Right, <laughs> that sounds exciting and sounds like a lot of fun, to be honest. It's, uh, it's always fun to create new things. And since we talked about growth, um, I wanted to share that um, 
employee referral has has always been the highest uh, in getting new developers within our respondents. And um, I am just interested in how you reach out to new colleagues, how you hire talent, what are some of your favorite channels to, to get to future colleagues? Yeah. So there was quite a lot in the report about hiring. And um, I think, although I might be slightly biased, but I think there's basically not enough software developers in the whole world. So I think there are multiple reasons for this, probably because the education systems are playing catch up a little bit, whether that's in France, the UK, the US or other countries we're asking a lot of our teachers to stay on top of everything and probably by the time a child has kind of gone through the education system the technology landscape has completely changed anyway so you have to be self-educated and self-driven really to keep growing in the engineering profession i'm not sure i would put that as our top challenge though so logmein has a, a great brand is very well known in Hungary and, and other places where we have development centers. So referrals and applications as well have always played a big part. We have a very active referral scheme. It's probably about 25% of our candidates, maybe more, come from referrals. It's like a shortcut to vetting people as well because you're only going to refer someone who you actually want to work with. Right. All those other people, for whatever reason, are... I'm not going to get your recommendation. So you almost know at the first step, first hurdle, that you're dealing with someone who's who's okay, who doesn't need to be vetted too stringently. We also have in-house recruiting teams, and they're fairly proactive. And uh, I would say we have quite stringent requirements. So we're looking, we are looking first and foremost for great technical talent. The soft skills take a, a back seat compared to really being excellent at engineering or user experience or you know whatever field you're in. Mm -hmm. Looking at the languages and the areas that people are recruiting for, it's pretty much the same for us. You know, JavaScript, Java, C++, bit of PHP, kind of the usual, the usual languages. It was interesting to see that Java is maybe dropping off a little bit versus 2020 and 2019. JavaScript is right up there still, and I guess that's a very, very popular skill. But probably between proactive recruitment on behalf of our talent acquisition team and referrals, and then also applicants coming because they know the name of LogMeIn and we have a good brand on the local market, I would say that covers most of our recruitment without too much difficulty. And you mentioned that's not your biggest challenge. Would you care to share what your biggest challenge is? So I think what I mentioned about bringing all the products together, the integrate, so integration is always really hard, and okay. particularly when you have products at different stages of their maturity. Some of them are They're not legacy, but you know they've been around for a while. They're still bringing in a significant revenue stream and kind of motivating teams by assuring them that this product, although it's 10 years old, is just as important, if not more important than this flashy new product, 
because it's actually earning us money. And without the money, the revenue stream delivered by this product, we can't actually build the new product. You know? Right. So, and then getting them both to work together, building feature parity in the new product so that eventually we'll be able to migrate over users from the, the older product and consolidate on a new platform, a unified integrated platform, and then doing that across two or three um, use case domains. These are the kind of the main challenges for us at the moment. Wow. And doing that in an efficient way. So we're also bringing together engineering teams across a large function, improving processes, bringing process innovation. These are the kind of challenges that are really um, probably top of mind for us. Right, right. And lots of, lots of really exciting things there or well i like work so probably exciting for me and to me that sounds a lot like you have to motivate your developers in in many different ways when it comes to the variety of your products and and working on those products and working on different areas and improving processes and i also heard that keeping people motivated has also been a challenge in this pandemic and in this past year it's always a challenge but now we have seen different challenges in motivation what are your thoughts on that how do you keep colleagues motivated how do you keep yourself motivated i think there's a few things i guess it kind of came out in the report as well so giving people a level of autonomy or empowerment so basically trusting them to be able to do their job is important you know without breathing down their neck and kind of telling them what to do or if you give someone a, a task or you ask them to do something then don't quickly do it for them 10 minutes later but leave them to do it delegate it trust them otherwise don't ask them to do it if you're just going to quickly rush and do it yourself so you know, there's this level of empowerment, which in a remote setting probably requires more trust. Because honestly, you don't know whether someone is taking their kids to nursery school or sitting down doing what you ask them to do. But you need to kind of trust them to deliver and then measure the deliverables and measure what happens after a given period of time. So have that performance measurement system in place, those metrics. So I mentioned something about working on new stuff, or I guess it's more appreciating what people are doing and rewarding them. So we've recently put in place a new reward scheme where people, other employees can um, award points to colleagues in any team. And uh, if you collect enough points, you can uh, transfer them into prizes and actually buy something, but you can also just give kudos awards to people without any points. So, you know, you can just recognize fellow workers for stuff they're doing. And um, I guess there's a kind of internal growth or constant development mechanism that we have implemented in LogMeIn. Software engineers like to learn new stuff. Right. And it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, new technology, it could just be new things for them. So you could have someone working on a Java tech stack who they've been doing it for four or five years and they want to get into something else. 
And we did this with uh, uh, one woman and moved them into a kind of more a C++ product stack internally. So this internal mobility is important to us to kind of keep growing people between teams. So these kind of things, I think empowerment, personal growth, keep growing is one of our four key values. And then I do believe as well, but I might be a bit idealistic in this, that people like to have a a purpose. So they like to be working to basically improve the world. And um, as we mentioned earlier, during this COVID pandemic, LogMeIn has certainly found its purpose because we are enabling our customers and our customer base to stay productive and keep working and keep supporting their users and their customers even during this uh, pandemic time. So we found our purpose and we need to communicate that to our people, but I think it's quite motivating, at least for me. Right. (laughs) Okay. But I think that makes sense of making the world a better place. Uh, And one way that that you can do that is through your work. So we spend a lot of time at work anyway. So it's, it's really great if you can find the, the greater meaning in that. And you mentioned, uh, mentioned the company values and 40.78% of our respondents said that willingness to learn is the top criteria for their people. This went up from, from 2018. And I am curious, and you also mentioned, you know, like, growing all the time and and um, staying on top of like personal motivation and personal growth is very important. Could you give us some tips as to how you can find that in your in your new hires and what perhaps our listeners can do to also find that in their new hires? Yeah, so it was interesting this stat, I thought, because it didn't it kind of half resonated. So I think continuous improvement is almost like table stakes. If you want to maintain your value in the technology sector and bearing in mind that nowadays, basically every company is a technology company because if it isn't, then it's probably not going to be a company for much longer. (laughs) Then you need to keep improving and you need to be curious, you need to be finding and reading stuff on on the internet or in books. If a colleague recommends a good book to me, then I will usually go and get it and make sure that I'm not missing out on anything. So there's a lot of good stuff out there that you can keep growing. I think two of our other values are probably equally as important, especially to our product technology group. So to our software engineering teams, our product development teams, And they are move fast and think big. Mm -hmm. So we've got to like keep moving quickly, making decisions quickly, removing barriers to decision making, ensuring that um, we don't have delay or procrastination because the market doesn't wait, you know, so we've got to take opportunities. And some of those opportunities are really good. So at the moment, the potential for LogMeIn is huge. And bearing in mind that, you know, we've just posted, we've we've posted two or three record years in a row, so we're growing and growing. Uh, But now, as the world accelerates towards remote work, is really our opportunity. So I mentioned some of the the new platforms that we're building, some of the 
integrated next generation remote support platforms, which are basically going to take the place of a dozen products that are in our remote support area. And that's kind of thinking big. So we've really put our hats on of, okay, how to build a conversational NLP driven ticketing interface or how to consolidate the features uh, from these dozen products into one product. And this think big and moving fast is probably at least as important as keep growing. And if, if you deliver that, you will keep growing as well on a technical level. <laughs> I, it's, I can guarantee it. <laughs> it's all interconnected. Thank you. That's, that's really awesome. And I, I have some questions here about performance management. It's, it's always a tricky subject, it seems, for my guests and myself as well. Some of the top metrics were having working software and, and completed tasks. And um, what's interesting is that almost 22% of our respondents don't use any metrics to measure developer performance. How do you measure performance? Do you measure performance? And if so, uh, what do you think is best? So yeah, we definitely measure performance. There's an art and a science, or to put it another way, there's usually a story behind any set of metrics. So engineers are very, very smart people, and uh, they definitely know how to play any system that's out there. <laughs> so it needs to be a kind of objective, almost like when you do a post-mortem, you just look at what happened during the timeline of an incident. You're not blaming anyone. So we want to measure like objective statistics around resource allocation, delivery velocity, sprint velocity, also something around predictability. And here, I've said to people, I don't want 100% predictability, because if you're always delivering 100% of what you said you were going to do in your estimation, then it either it shows that you're not pushing yourself enough, so the targets are not challenging enough, or it shows that uh, you and the team are just very, very good at estimating. Whereas actually, we need you to be very productive and very good at delivering software. Obviously, working software is the real measure of success. And by working, I would also throw in quality metrics like high severity incidents after release. I wouldn't so much measure bugs or defects because, again, anyone can code in loads and loads of defects to drive their count up and then drive it down depending what the... Um, what the manager is asking for. So what I would want to look at is high severity defects in production and obviously a downward trend. Rework, uh, rework needs to be zero or as close to zero. And we also look at security stronger and stronger. So security is now even more important than it was uh, with everyone working remotely. We took some lessons from the SolarWinds hack uh, we've tightened up our security processes. Also on the metrics side, I think there are two dimensions to reporting. There's like upwards reporting and sort of downwards, how you measure the team, how you run the team, how you operate. And of course, depending on the level of the, the manager or the team leader or uh, the scrum master or that kind of operational metrics 
gets into more and more detail depending how close you get to the work. And I guess the opposite is true, that depending how far up you're reporting, the aggregation of the sample set becomes higher and higher and more general. So at the top level, there's probably reporting to the board of directors where it's an aggregate across, I don't know, 2,000 engineers and what are these guys working on? And that's kind of depends how much detail you want to go into, but it's a, a super high aggregation. So what we've done is we've implemented, definitely implemented dashboards at a team level where each team can see how their performance is doing with direct links to the Jira ticket, the Jira issue or the Bitbucket pull request or whatever. But those are not necessarily what we would aggregate all the way up because sometimes the gulf is pretty huge between what the board want to see and uh, you know what the individual engineers are working on. Yeah, and, uh, just a question in there. Is this like transparent to the entire company is what I'm trying to ask? Like do teams see each other's boards? Not necessarily. So they can be, they might not be interested to mm -hmm. be honest. So uh, at a team level, at an engineering team level, yes, we can make them transparent. And yes, they are. Would you be interested? I don't know. The tech stacks are different. Like I said, there's often a story behind each metric. Why is one team releasing practically every day, whereas the other team is releasing kind of once every two weeks? Well, it's probably because their tech stack doesn't allow such a flexible, agile approach. It could be because the product is much more mature and there aren't so many new features being requested by our customers because they've been using it for a long time. The other one might have just been coming out of MVP stage and is really running to get to feature parity with a competitor product. You know, there's always a story behind the metrics. Um, what I would say at the board level is that often they will be looking at uh, kind of pulling in non-engineering metrics as well. So they might be looking at attrition levels or the efficiency of a team, which attrition levels would pull in kind of HR metrics that HR are tracking for all people in the company and maybe focusing on one group, such as engineering. Or efficiency, you would have to pull in FTE cost which again, I guess, is a either a financial or an HR statistic. You'd probably have to bring in sales statistics like the revenue generated by the team. So get the revenue divided by the headcount cost to find the efficiency. And none of those are really, strictly speaking, engineering metrics. Right, you know? right. And I think I'm kind of uh, starting to grasp what you meant with the different levels of the performance management or measurement. And to me, it sounds like it's always context dependent, but there is different kind of contexts in which it can be dependent. So it's like for the teams, it, you mentioned a different kind of tech stacks. So it's, it's different, even deployment rate is different for different teams. And as you move up higher in the organization, of course, your performance metrics are going to be different because you have different kinds of tasks and different kinds of things to to accomplish and then even within the different levels of the organization there are kind of different goals 
to which you have to different stakeholders different interests different different questions they want answered yeah so So yeah well i was going to say i think it's key like there's a lean concept that it's take a systems view and of take a holistic systems view of things and people generally want the best want to do their best work so if something is kind of broken or stuck it's probably a process issue rather than a people issue because actually rubbish processes are really demotivating for people so right. if you can fix the process you will probably re-engage the people anyway so right and to our listeners i think that means that you have to know your own organization and your own goals to be able to create performance measurement that is really about your company and and really about the value that you're trying to bring to the world and not just some performance management guides kind of pointer that you implemented because you read somewhere that it's good. We are almost out of time here. I wanted to ask you just one last question about um, outsourcing. Almost half of our respondents said, 41% said that they have outsourced software development in the past 12 months, which is basically the entirety of the pandemic. Um, how do you see outsourcing and and has it changed over, over the past year? Yeah, so we do a limited amount of um, using contractors, um, but basically, I mean, they're partners. So my when I read this part of the report, I immediately thought, no, we don't outsource. We're a software development company. We do it all ourselves. And then I thought, no, actually, you know, there, there has been some very nitty gritty um, work specifically integrating the identity systems of a couple of these older products, which um, we don't, particularly need those skills in the long term in the company it's not necessarily something that we want our people to be learning how to do i don't think it would be particularly motivating for people to work on that stuff i mean obviously we need to oversee the contractors provide some knowledge and some context and background anyway and we needed to move fast so one of our values like i said is move fast and we needed this done very quickly So for about six months of um, this past year, we have been using a a contractor team. They are purely software. So it's not, you know, one of the big consultancy companies. And it's gone pretty well, you know. So we chose roughly the same time zone as the rest of the team. So within an hour or two, we have very regular meetings, probably daily, daily stand-up and It's gone pretty well. And I have to say, probably as a stretch resource to get this thing done in a short space of time, and the cost hasn't been prohibitive either. So I think it was definitely the right approach. And it's something that I would definitely uh, look at most of the time, the opportunity to use contractors. Yes. Thank you. We have discussed a lot of uh, topics within the State of Software Development Report. I am encouraging our listeners to download the report from the show's description. And um, I would like to ask you if there is anything else that you would like to add. 
Oh, I don't think so. We covered, I think we covered all the five areas and uh, it's been great talking to you again. Thanks very much for the opportunity to share some of what we're doing at Log Me In. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's been good. To our listeners, would you care to share where they can follow your work? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, also Twitter. I have a Twitter handle, um, which should be quite easy to find. Um, Ford seven three nine five six four. You probably wouldn't have guessed that, but and what um, is there a meaning to it? It was an old telephone number I had in the UK, and I thought I'm not just going to use my age or my date of birth because that's too obvious. So obvious, yeah. How awesome! <laughs> Thank you. All right, then I guess this is the end of our conversation. I think we really touched on a lot of things hiring covid performance management tools thank you for coming on the show dearest listeners today again my guest was john ford vp of engineering at log me in and also country leader at log me in make sure to follow him on twitter or linkedin and um, here's a quick reminder for you if you sign up for the level up engineering newsletter you will receive every new episode two weeks earlier than the rest of the world. Click the link in the show notes and join our engineering leadership community. With that said, I thank you for staying with Level Up Engineering. I am Karolina Tot, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.